This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, November 17th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. More retirement savers are looking for safer choices in their 401k plans. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, we're hearing from the president of the St. Louis Fed. While there's fresh data on housing and manufacturing, we're joined by David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. Uh, The Federal Open Market Committee is uh, called by uh, some wags uh, as the Federal Open Mouth Committee. I think you were the one who taught me that actually, David. And um, and James Bullard, he has a bit of a reputation as being kind of a hawk. That's exactly right. And the term, the term open mouth is uh, perfectly applied. Uh, but Bullard sure took the steam out of the markets today by saying that the Fed's policy rate is not yet sufficiently restrictive. The markets keep hoping that there'll be a Fed pivot at some point and that Powell is no Paul Volcker who went to the mat with tight money to uh, kill inflation. Uh, I'd just be cautious at this point. Um, I think the Fed uh, still is very much of a mind that it has to go higher in that in that policy rate uh, to someday uh, kill inflation Um, My guess is, well, actually, Bullard told us that uh, he's looking for something in a 5 to 7 percent range. Uh, That's higher, and that would imply that we may see more uh, hikes. I don't think quite as large as we've seen recently, but, you know, I expect another 50 basis points or one-half percentage point in December, maybe another one in March of next year. Maybe even another one in June, which would bring us up into the five and a quarter to five and a half percent range for the funds target. The simple reality for the markets is the Fed has not finished pushing rates higher. There has been a lot of encouraging news on the inflation front, but uh, Bullard's comments are not out of character with what has been said in the wake of the encouraging CPI report, the encouraging PPI report, some indications that uh, uh, the steam is going out of food price increases. They'll say, look, these are all all nice things to see, but uh, a one-game win is does not make a streak. You summed it up perfectly. Uh, the Fed wants to see something very powerful in terms of clear and convincing evidence that in Inflation is coming down. And remember, Powell has said that we need stable prices for the market to even op for the economy to even operate well. So we have a ways to go and there'll be a tug of war between the markets who want to see things improve and the Fed who says 
You've got to take your medicine if you want to really bring inflation down. Uh, Philly Fed says manufacturing uh, activity declined in that region in November. Housing starts declined more than expected, but uh, the job market continues to be resilient in, in all of the efforts to uh, by the Fed to basically dynamite it. And that's exactly the point to be made. It's very hard to see an all-out recession, which many are looking for when the job market is as strong as it is. And if the job market stays strong, that means consumer spending does not fall to a level that you would expect to see in a recession. So uh, the Fed is still at it. And uh, I think the reality of the moment is that uh, we're going to see still higher interest rates. David Jones, Chairman, DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, why playing it safe with a retirement account may not always be the best choice. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The latest data suggests that more people saving for retirement are seeking safe havens for their investments. Let's talk about how this strategy could lead to investor regret in the long run. We're joined by Mark Horner, wealth advisor, Fairhaven Wealth Management, based in Wheaton, the website fairhavenwealth.com. Uh, Mark, let's. what what type of uh, retirement investor are we talking about here? Is this someone who uh, just simply puts all of their retirement savings in the hands of their financial advisor, or somebody who takes a little more active role in, uh, in, in managing their investments themselves? Yeah, from some of the surveys that we've seen, I'm not, I'm, I haven't seen quite a distinction between between those two camps, but they are looking at activity inside 401k plans. So that's probably somebody that's still working, still saving, still saving for retirement, hasn't gotten to retirement yet. But I, I don't know. We we could pin this on the investor themselves acting acting independently. But then again, advisors are cut from different different. Uh, different kinds of cloth and so we they could be getting some advice from advisors but but either way it's especially when we're thinking about money that's earmarked for retirement which by definition is many years down the road especially if somebody's still working moving things to cash right now might not be the right way to go the uh, the 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 old playbook uh, prior to 2022 was uh, when stocks are bad go to bonds when bonds are bad go to stocks but really there's uh, nowhere to run this year uh, it's been tough on both sides of the ball that's true. That's been especially tough. So right on that formula, when everything's bad, where do you where do you go? And so I think one answer to one answer to that is you go you go back to the plan, and revisit the revisit your financial plan to revisit your mix of stocks and bonds to see if it's if it's the the right the right mix for your particular goals. But for the, you know for those people that are still working that have got years to go until until retirement, a little bit of data might be helpful, and that's. Going back to 1926, rolling 10-year periods, 95% of the time you've made money in the stock market. Uh, Rolling 20-year periods, 100% of the time you've made money in the stock market. And so it can be really easy to say, you know, this... The, the challenges that we're facing right now are different, and so throw all that information out the out the window. But you know, going back almost a hundred years, we've gone we've gone through I think a lot worse than what we're going through right now. So I'd I'd be inclined to be betting on the stock market if I'm thinking about something ten or twenty years from now. What's the counterintuitive play if you want to play it safe right now? What are some things that you could be missing out on in the future? 
Well, so, you know, again, back to, back to everything struggled. Some things have struggled more than, than others. And so it's, it's a pretty good investment discipline to look for opportunity in the areas that have done the, that have done the worst. And so borrowing from George Costanza of Seinfeld fame, uh, doing the opposite in the, in the investment world, looking for opportunity and maybe those, those investments that you like the least based on their recent performance might serve you, might serve you well. Just as a caveat, we're, I'm not talking about serve you well over the next month, but over a next period of years. Yeah, it's a time horizons are the name of the game uh, when it comes to uh, retirement investing. And what is the the time horizon where maybe you just don't have to worry about the uh, uh, the swings in the stock market on a daily basis in 2022? Yeah, yeah. So I'd go I'd go back to that data since 26. If you're thinking about if you're looking at the portion of your portfolio that you're not going to need for 10 plus years. I would I'd be encouraging you just to take a deep breath about that about that portion of the portfolio. On the other side of the equation, money that you might need to maybe send a kid to college or pay for a wedding uh, or buy a house in the next in the next let's say less than five or certainly less than three years. That's money that you just don't want to take a lot of take a lot of risk with, and so that's money that you want to be thinking about protecting more. And may, maybe that money might be something that might be moved to cash if it already isn't there. I like the uh, the George Costanza rule: just don't say you're unemployed and live with your parents unless that works for you. It worked for him. It worked. <laughs> so the power the power of do the opposite could be limitless. Mark Horner, a wealth advisor, Fairhaven Wealth Management based in Wheaton. The website, fairhavenwealth.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, the great resignation may be spawning a new phenomena, the great remorse. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new Harris poll finds about 70% of workers who quit their jobs are having a harder time than they thought in finding a new position. Let's discuss the great remorse with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert half based in Chicago. Uh, Michelle, thanks for joining us today. This uh, poll indicates that uh, some people who took part in the Great Resignation uh, left their job without having a new gig lined up, and that does not seem particularly smart. No, definitely not. Um, you know, and I think because of that, they're what they thought they would find very quickly or easily, you know, that perfect role, in most cases, 100% remote, is starting to exist less and less. And is this uh, now, now this is just among the people who quit without having a new job lined up. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of other people who uh, quit their jobs knowing that there was something else uh, waiting for them on the other side. Yeah. And even those that quit with another role um, in mind, we recently surveyed and we've actually found that about 26 percent of them wish that they would have set up a meeting with their manager and maybe tried to resolve some of what they didn't like. You know, they're finding that new job isn't necessarily better. And in some cases, 17% wish that they had just maybe asked for a raise, um, you know, had that conversation instead. Doesn't this go back, and, we, and we've had these discussions before uh, about if you were going to make the jump uh, during the Great Resignation when it seemed like you could name your price anywhere, that uh, you really had to have a good conversation with yourself about what you wanted and why you wanted to leave. Yeah, you know, we have always all along recommended, you know, putting together that pros and cons list to see what it is that is really important to you. Because oftentimes as you get to that new role, um, sometimes you found you've left for the wrong reasons and um, things that were important to you, like maybe work-life balance, 
suddenly decline taking on that new role, even though maybe it had more money. And then what are some of the other things that uh, people find uh, when they get to the other side and discover that the, ga- the grass isn't necessarily greener? Uh, is it uh, they, they didn't get the work-from-home situation they wanted? Uh, maybe the uh, responsibilities uh, were n- weren't nearly as uh, challenging or enriching as they were at the old place or a combination? Yeah, you're exactly right. I think um, most are finding that it is different than what they expected and definitely not, you know, grass is greener. And then some are finding that it, that maybe if they made a move for a remote situation, that co- that company has suddenly changed their, you know, um, stance, and maybe they are going to hybrid or whatnot. And so again, they're kind of maybe finding that that work life balance has declined because suddenly they're finding themselves in a commute or longer hours or you know bigger projects, et cetera. So what happens uh, if you decide that hey, maybe my old job was pretty good after all? Can you come crawling back? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of companies are open to what we kind of call the boomerang, so the employee that wants to come back because talent is definitely tight. You just want to make sure that if you are that boomerang employee. Um, you know, you're doing so in a very professional manner. You're owning maybe the mistake you made in rushing that decision and, you know, being very open to taking um, what is open at the company now and available. And lastly, uh, once again, uh, this is why you never, ever, ever burn bridges. Never. Absolutely. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, examining a potential link between the performance of the financial markets and the World Cup soccer tournament. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reveals her plans for the next session of Congress. A special report coming up from CBS News and Technology Thursday tracking the fallout from the bankruptcy of cryptocurrency platform FTX. And you may be surprised to learn that soccer's World Cup can impact financial markets. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is up 31, the NASDAQ is down 2, and the S&P 500 is down 9. AccuWeather says a chilly afternoon in store for you, mostly cloudy, breezy, and cold with flurries. A couple of heavier snow showers possible uh, into the early evening hours. Today's high 33. Wind chills in the 20s. We have 32 degrees right now at 1231. CBS News Special Report. It's the end of an era for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. CBS's Scott McFarland has more on Pelosi's historic tenure. The first and only woman to serve as U.S. House Speaker. The Speaker of the House who oversaw some of the seminal pieces of legislation of this most recent generation, from the Affordable Care Act to the Wall Street Rescue in 2008 to the infrastructure plans and inflation reduction acts of recent months and to the impeachment of former President Trump. But she will keep working. Nancy Pelosi underscored something at the end that the biggest honor she's had in her time 
in the U.S. Congress is being the representative of the people of San Francisco, being their voice here at the Capitol. She will remain their voice here at the Capitol. President Biden has congratulated the speaker on her tenure. CBS News special report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed today. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. It seems that the uh, president of the uh, the St. Louis Fed, once again, uh, serving as the big party pooper, uh, when it comes to the markets, hoping that uh, that somehow the Fed will have uh, pivoted when it comes to uh, to changing its tune on interest rate hikes to fight inflation. Um, but at that that seems to be behind them. What's driving investor activity right now? The market started low, but they're pushing back towards the, the flat line. Yeah, it's actually kind of an interesting day today. As you mentioned, it started out pretty weak, uh, partly on the, the words of the, the Fed individual talking about maybe rates being even higher uh, than people thought <laughs> at this point. Um, and yet the market has fought back. And, and the market kind of reminds me of kind of the cross currents that we're seeing out there now. You know, you look at, for example, a strong retail report yesterday that was followed by kind of a stink bomb from Target, yet which was followed by a better than expected report by Macy's. And then you look at the housing data, which is bad and looks like housing's in a recession. And yet you, you get jobless claims are down. Um, and yet you see a lot of layoffs coming, especially in Silicon Valley. So, you know, there's a lot of, I call them cross currents out there that are causing, you know, fits for investors to try to analyze that. And consequently, you see days like this where, where the, the market seems to have, you know, a couple of different personalities within the single trading day. If you're the Fed, what, uh, what are you, how are you trying to analyze this particular situation? Because there is a lot of, on the one hand and on the other hand, uh, type of information out there. You do have reports that inflation uh, is starting to ease just a little bit. But do you want to please the markets or do you want to actually drill through the fundamentals? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to try to please the markets at this point. I think they're getting enough conflicting evidence that would lead them to continue on their path of, of raising rates. Perhaps now, maybe just a 50-point 50, uh, 50 raise here instead of 75 at the next meeting. But I, I don't think there's been enough consensus data to give them, okay, you know, that we've fought the fight and we can kind of take the the foot off the gas. Uh, They may take it off slightly, but I think, uh, again, those cross currents are just providing fodder for them to continue um, saying, listen, we need to, there's still too much going on in the economy um, that's not going to help inflation. So we need to kind of continue to do what, what they think is their job is raising rates and bringing the economy down. What is the Dow theory telling you with all these cross currents swirling around? Well, the Dow theory, you know, the last major signal under the Dow theory was a bear market signal for the primary trend. So that is the last signal that that we are working on. Yes, we've had a really nice rally in here. And, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, the the last rally in a, in a bear market represents the first rally in, in a new bull market. I don't think we're there yet. I, I still think we're probably going to get some sort of retest of those September lows 
here and uh, before year end, and we'll see how the market responds when it does have that retest of the lows and in, in, on the industrials and transports. So, yeah, we're not we're not ready to say it's onward and upward from here. Is there a looming moment of decision as to whether or not investors have to commit to there being a recession in 2023? Because, like you said, there's a lot of cross currents, and a good argument can be made that for both, basically. Well, you know, we, we kind of rely on the market to, to kind of give us that indication. And, and again, I think the market will give that if, in fact, the retest of the September lows is not is not successful and they do break below those lows, particularly the Dow Jones transportation average. That would be an average that people really need to watch in the sense of are we or aren't we going into a more severe recession. If that is the case in a recession, serious recession is looming, you will see weakness in the Dow Jones transportation average and probably take out that September low. So we'll, we'll kind of let the market tell that story uh, to us. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast new newsletter based in Hammond. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, gauging the impact of the collapse of the trading platform FTX on the crypto world. Program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. The bankruptcy of the crypto trading platform FTX could have a wider impact than just its own demise. Let's talk about it with Art Ho. Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Uh, Art, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like a number of other crypto exchanges had a great deal of exposure to FTX and uh, potentially how many other crypto entities could go down with it. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is one of the things that FTX did um, during its heyday, you know, over the course of the last six months or so is actually come in as that rescuer of, uh, of some of those exchanges or, or crypto business models that uh, were struggling with liquidity and, and needed an infusion. So there's a lot of cross ownership uh, embedded inside that, uh, that, that now bankrupt uh, FTX structure uh, that obviously is going to uh, impair those business models and, and other exchanges that were you know, trying to do business and, and trying to get out from under the, uh, you know, the layers of debt that they had piled on trying to build things up. So, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of tentacles to this, and we're just finding out now as, as the, uh, the bankruptcy proceedings are beginning. And if you look at the filings that hit the tape today, it's a pretty complicated mess. But I think at the end of the day, um, what this will likely end up doing is, is be a, a pretty thorough cleansing of those business models in crypto that uh, weren't viable. And, uh, and and hopefully, you know, what what remains, you know, out of the ashes of all this will be the, the stronger and, and more uh, potentially credible um, um, crypto businesses. But, you know, it's certainly a black eye for the for the industry that, you know, a bad player with with very sloppy uh, um, uh, compliance and, and accounting uh, uh, work were able to bring down so many other businesses that they had to cross ownership in. If you saw that story in the Wall Street Journal this morning, if you were either an accountant or an attorney, you probably got a headache uh, reading some of the disclosures about uh, about uh, non-existent audits of the uh, company's books, uh, book values that were basically uh, invented out of thin air, and a and a, now a former CEO who just can't stop talking despite his legal exposure. Yeah, it's 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 incredible in this day and age that uh, that, that at the very least um, SBF hasn't learned that, uh, that you know more uh, less is going to be more for him in the future here, and he, he really needs to 
you know, kind of put a muzzle on all that because he's not helping. He's probably infringing on the bankruptcy proceedings uh, that are going on right now. And, and all of that has to happen to try to recapture any customer funds um, that are, you know, that are still credibly available. And, and that's going to be a frustrating, long process. But uh, the last thing you need is more, uh, you know, negative uh, attention being thrust upon this when they're trying to dig this thing out and find out where all the world about the, the bodies are buried. It seems like one one debate that we're going to watch uh, play out in real time as uh, FTX unfurls is how do you a- accurately value crypto assets? Um because that it seems like uh, it was kind of they were left to each other to figure that out, and now accountants will get in there and and actually uh, uh, try to to account for how much crypto is actually worth. Right. Yeah, and that's you know I think away from some of the legacy cryptos, and by that I mean you know the bitcoins and the Ethereum's of the world, which have you know sort of the uh, the originals. I think all of the sort of newfangled new uh, breed of, uh, of of coins you know, are going to be called into question. What, what value is there and, and how do you get to that, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's pretty hard, you know, in a, in a fundamental basis to try to, you know, come up with valuations of things that could be invented any given day, given a name, and then start trading with a very thin float. And, and you know, the chances of manipulation are very high. So I agree with you. It's certainly an accountant's nightmare right now to try to work through this whole process. But if you know, if there's any good news here is this shines a light on what, you know, what should have been done, you know, a, a years ago and, and, and looking at you know just how this this asset class works and, and, and what should be done on a regulatory basis to make sure these kind of things don't happen in the future. Art Hogan, chief market strategist with B. Riley. B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, what soccer's World Cup means for the stock market. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Soccer's World Cup begins Sunday in Qatar. It'll run for nearly a month. Let's talk about how this huge international event relates to the financial markets with Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us today. I love these correlation versus causation uh, exercises. And how are the uh, uh, the World Cup tournament, the, the tournament itself, and uh, market performance? How do they line up? Well, the uh, I should say right off the top, right off the top, that basically this is just an illustration of how our moods can affect our investing. We tend to think that when we put our money into the stock market. We're being entirely rational and objective and not letting our moods affect us. And this is what I'm going to tell you in these studies is that uh, that's just not the case. And what these particular uh, professors did, it was a fascinating study. They looked at World Cup matches in the past and focused on the performance of the stock market of countries when their team was eliminated from the World Cup. And it turns out that... uh, in a statistically significant way, those countries' stock markets on the day after the loss performed significantly worse than, than average. And so it turns out that uh, there are enough dejected uh, investors who've been watching the soccer game who felt so depressed upon the elimination of the World Cup that they saw the glasses half empty rather than half, half full and sold stocks as a result. It's in- This is going to be an interesting test case coming up because usually – the World Cup is in June or July, and maybe there is a little bit of you know summer doldrums uh, taking place and how people uh, perceive the world after a World Cup loss. But uh, now it's November and December, and other things are going on. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds up. 
Well, yes, and you're quite right to point out that there's so many idiosyncratic factors in all of this. Um, so it's hard to, uh, with any particular match or even one particular World Cup, to draw any conclusions. What the professors did is they looked at thousands of matches over many years, and in determining that the stock markets of losing companies did worse than average, they compared them to the other countries whose teams were not eliminated from the World Cup. So in that sense, they were holding constant. They were controlling for all those other factors. As you point out, there's a lot going on in the world. But nonetheless, that same things that are going on in the rest of the world would affect the company, the countries whose teams won. So they're just looking at the comparison of the two and finding that losing countries' teams lead to a stock market performing less than uh, than average. So if you have, if you're an investor and you have some play money, uh, what are, are there money making opportunities in following the World Cup outside of betting on matches? Well, there are people who do try to come up with a trading strategy. I myself probably wouldn't recommend it. There's so many other factors going on, as you quite rightly point out. Nonetheless, because it turns out the stock markets of countries whose teams won do not perform better than average. It's just the worse than average performance of countries whose teams lose that you would uh, the the trading strategy would basically to be to get out of stocks at the very beginning of a world cup and then get back in at the end because there will always be losing teams and they will have a depressing effect on the world stock markets during that time. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.